God, uh, we pray that the Holy Ghost would guide and lead us during this Bible study. Give us divine revelation concerning your will for us. Concerning your will for us to walk in that which you have provided. Energize us tonight. Open our spiritual ears. Open our spiritual eyes. Help us to see Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Why did Jesus Christ come to the earth? You don't have to answer, but I'm going to let the word do the talking. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Then the Bible gives us the answer to the question. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Everything that the kingdom of darkness tried to build up, which is the curse, Jesus came to tear down. He came to destroy it. Every time, every curse that came into the world when Adam sinned, Jesus came to reverse it. is the will of God that each and every one of us walk free of that curse that came into the world when Adam sinned. We know that in our heads, but God wants us to know that in our heart. He wants us to connect with him through faith. To experience all those things that Jesus came to the earth to deliver us from. The whole purpose of Jesus becoming a man, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, was to set us free forever. From any residue of the curse. The church has no business being in bondage. If we're in bondage, it's not the will of God. It's because we have not yet learned to tap in to that which is ours as an inheritance. And these these last few weeks we've been talking about faith, radical faith, connecting with God through faith. And the only way we can really experience the things that we've been talking about is if we become educated along these lines. Understanding the power of the Word of God. Understanding the power that has been released through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the access we have to that power. That's what faith is about. That's that's what Bible faith is about. It's about believing what God says about you 
and receiving all those blessings, those spiritual blessings that the book of Ephesians talks about. He truly has prepared a table before us. But in order to eat from that table, I got to believe that that table is mine. I got to I got to develop a radical extreme faith for those things. And a mindset that I will not be denied. In my generation, I will not be denied of that which Jesus has bore for me and has bought for me and bought and paid for for me. So that is the challenge. That's what God wants us to grab a hold to doing these teachings. He wants us to really believe that all things are truly possible to him who believes. These are the last of the last days. I really believe that. And I believe God's coming back for a people who are walking in divine faith. So that he can release divine miracles and signs and wonders through you. So as we study these, uh, these teachings on faith and on radical faith, I want you to understand that everything that we're learning, God wants you to experience it. He who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's one of my favorite scriptures. If God gave Jesus the, 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 the best that heaven had to offer, how will he ever deny us anything else? But we won't experience it if we don't believe it. So that's why we're studying along these lines where faith is concerned. And we've been talking a lot about Abraham's faith. And I want to continue along those lines tonight. Talking about Abraham's faith. And how he is the example of a man who walked in step with God. And who became a student of faith. God taught him faith. And he experienced God's perfect will for his life because he was walking in tune with the mind of God. And like I say, we don't need to look at these characters in the Bible and think, well, you know, they're all that special. They are special because they were hooked up with a special God. That same God that Abraham walked with, that same God that talked to Abraham, is the same God that you and I serve. And everything that he did in Abraham's life, where Abraham's destiny was concerned, he wants to do in your life and in my life. And he will do it if we'll exhibit the same kind of faith that Abraham exhibited. And it's possible. I'm convinced more than ever, that it is possible to walk in this kind of faith. So let's go to Romans chapter 4. And I want to begin at verse 20. We kind of brought, broke some of this down last week, and I want to continue to draw from this. Romans 4 verse 20, the Bible says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And I wrote this down. What does it mean to stagger not? What does it mean for a person who is walking by divine faith to not stagger at the promises of God? Because that's the, that's the challenge. God gives a promise and God's willing to bring it to pass in our life. But can we get to the place in our heart where we don't stagger at the promise, where, we don't, where, where we're not intimidated by what we see or the challenges that stand before us and the promise? Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. I want to look at something right here. Genesis chapter 22. Then we're going to come back to Romans. And let's see what Abraham encountered in terms of what he had to do to begin to flow with God and experience God's best. And how he did not stagger at the promise. Chapter 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham. How many of you know God will test us? He'll test our faith. He'll, 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 he wants to see how genuine our faith is before he can actually trust us with certain things. And it came to pass that after these things that God did tempt Abraham or test him, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Then he says here in verse 2, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So God tells Abraham something that is very unusual. He says, I want you to take your son, the promised child, and I want you to sacrifice him there for a burnt offering. In other words, I want you to kill him. And I want you to do this because I'm asking you to do it. Now, this is the point where we find out whether or not Abraham's faith is genuine. And how Abraham did not stagger at the promise. It says here in verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning. So the very fact that he got up that that morning and acted on the Word of God showed right there that he was not in that stage where he was staggering. He was acting on what God told him to do. And because he did that, it proved that his faith was beginning to become stronger and stronger in this instance. So the Bible says he got up early that morning and he saddled his donkey or his ass and took, and took two of his young men with him, 
and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. So he's acting on the word of God. He's demonstrating strong faith just by doing that. Now, that's good, but that is not the best. He's staggering, he's staggering not, he's acting on the word, but he has not fully obeyed God at this point. Hold your finger there, and let's go back to Romans 4 and 21. So verse 20 said, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And the Bible says here, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now we want to find out now, what does it look like to be fully persuaded? Because that is where the miracles take place. That is where the impossible happens. When we get to the point where we are fully persuaded that the word of God is true. That is where God wants us in terms of us experiencing the covenant blessings of healing, of deliverance, and all those wonderful promises in the Bible. He wants to get us to the place where we're fully persuaded. Okay? Let's go back to Genesis 22. And let's look at verse 9. Because he's already gotten up early in the morning. And he's taking the wood. But verse 9 says, And they came to the place which God had told him of. So he's got the elements that he needs to cause Isaac to become a burnt offering. And Abraham, the Bible says, he built an altar there, so he's still acting on the word of God. And laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. So he's still acting on the word. He hasn't, he he has yet to stagger. He's still acting on the word. Verse 10 says, Abraham stretched forth his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. So he's about to, he's about to act on the word. He's about to do what God told him to do. The Bible says here in verse 11, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, or thou reverencest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So Abraham proves 
that he is fully persuaded because he was, will, he was willing to, to follow through on something that God had not told anybody else to do ever before. His faith was now at, at its highest point because he was willing to act on what God told him to do. That is what a fully persuaded faith looks like. It trusts God no matter what. It has a belief that God cannot fail. That what God has promised, he's able also to perform. Now, Abraham's thinking is very important at this point because we want to get inside of his mind. And, and, and see what he was thinking when he had that knife and he was about to plunge. He was about to do this. God knew he was about to do this. This, this was not an act. He was about to go to follow through with this. But we want to see what Abraham was thinking about as he was acting on the word of God. Because this is powerful. This is where the rubber meets the road with our thinking in, in terms of walking in great faith. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And verse 17. So the Bible says, by faith. So the Bible declares Abraham at this point was living and walking by faith. When he had, was tried, he offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Next verse, verse 18. Of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So God told Abraham that Isaac was the promised child, and he was the one that the, that the blessings were going to, perpetually come through. Had Isaac died, the blessing would have stopped with Isaac. Abraham knew that when he had that knife hovering above his son. But this is what Abraham was thinking in verse 19. He had made up his mind, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he had received him in a figure. So what Abraham saw when he had that knife and about to plunge it into his son, he saw and knew that God had the power, even if he slayed this boy, to raise him from the dead. He had never seen anybody be raised from the dead, but he knew that God could not fail in following through with his promise because he said that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations. Abraham kept that in the forefront of his thinking as he was acting on the word. That's why the Bible says he was fully persuaded that even though he was about to kill this boy, God was going to have to do something to make this thing come to pass. And that's what God is telling you tonight. Whatever he has promised you, Whatever he has placed in your heart that you're believing him for, understand that the God that we serve is able to raise that thing up from the dead, even if it looks like it's in the grave. 
Don't be intimidated by the natural circumstances because we serve a supernatural God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Okay? So God wants us to, be, to, to come to the place where we have an extreme faith, a radical faith like this. Somebody say, well, I don't believe I can walk in this kind of faith. Yes, you can. You know how I know you can? Because God has placed within you that kind of faith. We have to always remember that God, whatever God calls us to do, he equips us with it. And we've been studying along these lines, and we, we found out that every one of us has been given a measure of faith. But that faith can grow, and it grows as we continuously act on the Word of God. We become stronger and stronger in faith. And we can get to the point where Abraham was if we're willing to be bold and radical in our understanding of covenant relationship and the faithfulness of our God. And understand that this word that we study and that we read and we say we believe that it is the word of the living God that cannot fail. So I don't know what, what you're believing God for, but I'm telling you, if you can find a promise in the book concerning your situation, and if you can renew your mind to the truth of it, you can experience the fruit of that word, the fruit of that promise, because that's your, that's your portion. That's part of your inheritance to experience this kind of faith. Now, We're going to go into another aspect of this because we got to become, one of the things we got to become is fully persuaded that we've been set free. That we've been set free from Adam's curse. That the curse is not our portion. Though it may present itself, though it may manifest in our lives, it is not the will of God that we live under it, but that we overcome it. Okay? And I don't care what the enemy brings your way. The cross, the blood, and the resurrection has brought you to a place of divine freedom in Christ. But you got to believe that. You got to believe it. No matter what, what's going on, you have to believe that. And you have to have a revelation of your freedom. And you get that by the Word of God. And only by the Word of God. Now, I, I want to talk about two laws the law of the Spirit of death and the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I want to touch on those two those two uh, topics for a minute, because when we begin to understand them, that's how we begin to walk in this kind of faith. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. And first we're going to talk about the law of the spirit of death and how it came into being. 
these two laws are present in the earth today. And they affect mankind. But we're going to go to the genesis of it and find out where the, spirit, the law of the spirit of death came into being. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. Don't we serve a good God? <laughs> every tree of the, you can eat freely. I love it. But he says here in verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt, what? Surely die. Not a maybe. You, he says you're going to surely die. So that was the promise to Adam and Eve. That they could eat from the tree of life, uh, from, the, from, the, uh, from the garden, of, uh, and eat freely from all the trees in the garden, except this one tree. But if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would die. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And verse 7 says, the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees together and made them aprons. So that is when the law of the spirit of death entered into the world. So we see it right there. It was not the will of God for that to happen. It was never the will of God for them to experience any element of death. Matter of fact, God is opposed to death. He hates death. He never wanted any of his children to know anything about it. But yet they opened the door to it. And when that spirit of death came into the world, it brought the curse. All of those things that plague mankind today in terms of defeat came into, the, came into being at that time. That's the bad news. The good news is that through Jesus Christ... Another law is operating in the, in, in the earth today. And that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that is what God wants his people to experience. That's the whole reason that God gave us the new birth. So that we could partake of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus talked about life a lot. He said, I've come that you might have life 
and that you might have life more abundant. He wasn't just playing with words. He meant that. He meant for each and every one of us to experience in our life on this earth the divine, abundant, Zoe life of God. Once we receive the new birth, once we receive eternal life, the very life of God comes to dwell on the inside of you and I in power. And he holds nothing back. I say he holds nothing back. The only thing he holds back is his glory. He said, I'll share my glory with no one, but I'll give you all the power that you need to overcome in this world. But we have to understand that. So let's look, let's look and see what the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus looks like. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We've seen what, what the genesis of the law of the spirit of death, but let's see the genesis of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Let's, let's take a look at that. Because as we focus on that, we begin to walk in it. Genesis chapter 2, I mean Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, did I want to? That's the wrong one. Let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, my bad. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Hmm. I almost don't want to go there. Let's see. Ah. I was just trying to see if y'all paying attention. Chapter 1. That's what, that's what I wanted. <laughs> that's what I wanted. Chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the genesis of the law of the spirit of life in Christ. This is where, what God wants us to partake of. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us would, who believe. So faith is involved. I got to believe this. What is the exceeding greatness of his, of his power to who? To us would, to us. Those who have been born again, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. That is the law, the genesis of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When Jesus, when God raised Jesus from the dead... He then made possible for you and I to experience the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That is our inheritance. In this world and in the worlds to come. So everything that Jesus bore on the cross in terms of the curse has now been... We, we are now set free from that. And when, it try, when the curse tries to manifest itself in our lives, 
it's up to us to declare our freedom from it. By faith. Okay? Now let's go to Romans chapter 8. Because we need the scripture to, t- to, t- to look at so we can really focus on what the word says. It's what, it's what the word says that matters. Not how I feel about it. It's what the word says. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free. Somebody say free. free. Had made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is my portion. But to overcome the contradictions of the law of the spirit of sin, sin and death is a fight. I'm going to say that again. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is my portion. That's my inheritance. Divine freedom is mine. Freedom from sickness, freedom from spiritual death, freedom from poverty, and anything that the curse that's involved with the curse. But in order for me to experience it, I must overcome the contradictions of the law of the spirit of death. Because the law of the spirit of death will manifest itself and try to take me captive if I allow it. So I must fight the fight of faith in that arena. When the enemy tries to bring the curse into my life, I must reject it with everything within me. And let him know that I know that I'm free. And that that yoke don't fit no more. It doesn't belong to me anymore. When he knocks on my door with the curse and with a, with a box full of snakes, I tell him, no, that's not for me. I'm serious about that. You have to tell him. You have to let him know that that's not your portion. And when you do, in faith, he'll go knock on somebody else's door. Because he'll know, that doesn't work over there. Because they got a, they've got their minds renewed to the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth. And the truth that you know, it'll make you free. And keep you free. Again, the fight is, I must fight and overcome the contradictions, though. Because the enemy will try to contradict what the Word of God says by trying to manifest these things in our life. But we are those who walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by what the Word says. We become like Abraham. We're fully persuaded that no weapon formed against me can prosper. I don't care what it is. God says so. And I believe him. So when the weapons come, hey, come on, bring it. I don't, I, I don't like it, but since he brought it, I'm going to walk on it and I'm going to defeat it in Jesus' name. That's, what, that's the mindset. A new, sharp, threshing instrument with teeth. That's who you are. That's where God's taking us. He's, he's raising up an army of people who are fearless. Fearless because they're filled with faith in our God, in our awesome God. This is possible. 
I truly believe this kind of faith is possible. Galatians 3.13. Let's go there. I must believe the word over and above anything. Christ hath redeemed us. Not going to, he already has. See, that's, that's key. That's key in your thinking. You have to remember and always remember and understand that this has already been done. You're not waiting on the power to deliver. The power to deliver has already been manifested. He hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, I must readily understand what the curse is. Because if I don't understand what the curse is, I may not want to resist it. Because I think that that's normal for me. I think that that's just a natural thing for, in life. The curse is just a natural thing in life. It is for those who are not born again. But for those who have been born again, the curse, even though it tries to invade my life, I can rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I wish I had somebody. Somebody who will who, who understand that if I submit myself to that word, I can resist the devil and the devil has to flee. Has no choice. I say he has no choice but to flee because the word says so. So when I submit myself to this revelation that I've been set free forever, Christ has redeemed me forever, when the enemy brings these things into my life, and he will, <laughs> he will, we're, we're still here in this fallen world. Things will still try to attach themselves to us, but we can submit ourselves to what the word says, then we can resist him and he'll flee every single time. You gotta believe it though. So when symptoms, which are a manifestation of the law of sin and death, come into my life, I must retreat to the word and find out what God says about my freedom. The doctor tells me I got this horrible disease. That's designed to take me down. I must resort now, now to the Word of God and find out what the Word says about that and resist this contradiction because that's what it is. It's a contradiction to what God has promised. And when I submit myself to the Word, that symptom or that demon spirit, I, I like to call it a demon spirit because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. Every time the devil touches your body, you've got to remember this thing is personal. He's coming against your life. And it's a demon spirit behind it. He'll try to hide it and, and give you some fancy disease name, but it's the devil and you've got to realize that. You gotta realize that. He comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Remember that. The next time that thing tries to invade your life, remember it's the devil. You know it's him. Now it's time to submit yourself to the truth and cast him out. 
Somebody say, that's not possible. It is possible because Jesus said it was. He said it was. So when the symptoms of sickness and disease appear, and we talked about this, uh, I think, a few weeks ago, the first time you get that symptom, when you feel it, don't, don't play with it, resist it at that moment. A lot of times we play with these things. We, we allow him to, 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 to give him a, a stronghold, a foothold. Now, when you feel that thing, no, in the name of Jesus. No, I'm serious, man. This is how it's done. Understanding that this is a war. This is a war. But we've already been given the victory. But we have to act on the word. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But the violence, they take it by force. God has given to each and every one of us a warrior spirit. Y'all know that? We got, we, 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 we got the line of the tribe of Judah living on the inside of us. That anointing that King David had on him and his mighty men... It dwells within us in mighty power. The exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe it. So, yeah, what what the devil doesn't want us to do is get to the point where we actually begin to believe these things. He wants us to remain carnal in our thinking. He wants us to become more, more comfortable in Adam than we are in Christ. How many of y'all know, y'all know you're not related to Adam anymore? No. No. You're related to Christ. That's where our inheritance is. That's where our identity is. Not in Adam, in his fallen state, but we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new to us. This is the gospel I'm preaching tonight. We are redeemed. Let's close here in 2 Timothy. Didn't say we wouldn't have te- we wouldn't be tested, didn't say we wouldn't have trials, didn't say we wouldn't go through some things. But I did say we will overcome each and every one of them in the name of Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 7. That's what Paul says. I have fought a good fight. So faith is a fight, right? It's not pretty. It ain't always easy. It's not always comfortable. But when I'm going through the test and the trial, I got to always keep in my mind that I'm coming out of this a victor. That's what Paul did. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 
the devil wasn't able to steal his faith. The devil really is not really after us, so to speak. He's after our faith. If he can separate us from our faith, he can defeat us. But if he can't take our faith, if he can't take the things that we've been learning the last few weeks in terms of faith and the reality of it, he can't not defeat us. Paul said, I kept my faith no matter what I went through. And he went through some things. Y'all read about him. He went through some really difficult things. But he kept the faith. He held on to the word. Stand to your feet. Father God, we thank you tonight for the blood of Jesus. We thank you tonight for the risen Savior who is at, seated at your right hand tonight. He is the living word. God, give us divine revelation of your word where, your, where faith is concerned, where Bible faith is concerned, where the faithfulness of your word is concerned. Cause your people, O oh God, to begin to meditate on your promises concerning their freedom from the curse of the law. Help us to see ourselves, O oh God, as you see us. Strong. Full of faith. Full of power. Anointed to do whatever you've called us to do. Able in Christ to overcome giants and Goliaths. This is our portion. This is our inheritance, Lord. Crown us, O oh God, with that understanding tonight. And the things that we're going through, the challenges that we're facing even today, God, Help us, O oh God, to grasp hold, grab hold to the faith to overcome those things. Because you're our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Get some vegetables, go to the back. Amen.